All right, the Suns, they're going to have to win a game in Denver at some point or their season going to be over by Sunday night. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And uh, for more on the NBA playoffs, and uh, we'll get to the Suns to, uh, to start with in just a second here. And uh, I swear we will do that if I can just uh, fix my computer here a little bit. Okay, here we go. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports show by Matt John of Basketball News and Heavy.com. And Matt, good to have you on the show. And a home team, obviously, now 5-0 and zero in the Suns and Nuggets series. And the Suns' offensive efficiency has been drastically different home in a way. How do you evaluate this series through five games? Um, well, I mean, there's always the asterisk of no Chris Paul. Um, that obviously hurts. I mean, injuries happen in the playoffs. Uh, but it's like they say, uh, role players play better at home, and I think that actually has the difference. Like, but from an um, from an unbiased standpoint, I actually thought you know the Suns' depth was gonna was gonna harm them and. Believe it, believe it or not, those two games in Phoenix, it was their depth that actually pushed them through. And so what, I, what I'm looking forward to see, seeing is just if uh, that depth can actually show, show itself on the road on the road against Denver. Yeah, Jokic, not surprisingly, has dominated. He dominates against everybody, or seemingly everybody. The Suns have really opted almost exclusively not to double-team him. Should they at least consider changing that strategy some? Um, I think at this point when you're when you're down uh, three to two, you may as well try anything. Um, I mean, there's a reason why Nikola Jokic is a two-time MVP. So I'm I'm intrigued to see if they if they at least double team. At the same time, if there's if there's a big man who can pass out of double teams, it's Jokic. So I wonder if that's why they are they're not uh, trying that because they're afraid if he can if he can beat us as a scorer, he he might beat us as a playmaker too. He might even he might beat us even worse. Yeah, as far as uh, is there really anything else the Suns should try to do strategically different uh, heading into a game six here on Thursday night? Uh, I'm I'm just trying to think. Well, like I, when I think this isn't just a Suns thing, but just in general, the Nuggets finally have a supporting cast around Jokic, which was not the case last year. And I think we're seeing kind of what happens when he has good players around him. He finally has Murray, like he. He has, you know, Porter, Porter Jr. and and uh, Aaron Gordon around them. When I try to think about coverages, I'm, I, I think the Suns in gen- like they've they've been ex- they've been excellent home against Denver in this series. Like, I, I do want, I do wonder if really what they're just going to keep doing what they're doing and just and just hope that uh, just hope that one of these days they can at least shut off his supporting cast. They may just say, "We'll roll the punches with Jokic." And just see if if Aaron Gordon can do what he's doing for an entire series. So maybe bottom line here is this just a series that the home team is going to win every game? It's it's turning out that, that way thus far. Um, of course, you know in Phoenix's case they they've had they've had to overcome some, some adversity with Paul's injury. So I think it's it's possible that this may turn out to be just every home the home team wins every game, but. Like you know, team, teams they can surprise. Like the, six, the Sixers against Celtics, for example. Like this looked like a series that the Celtics were gonna run away with, and now the Sixers are one game away. So you never know when the series may flip. All it takes is just one play. I'll get to that Sixers series momentarily. Talking with Matt John from Basketball News and also Heavy.com. 
Okay, let's go Lakers and Warriors here. The Lakers one win away from eliminating the defending champion Warriors. Why are the Lakers up 3-1 in this series? Well, I think I think it comes down to two things. I think the Lakers are a team that kind of figured themselves out once they made all those moves at the deadline. I mean, they were a train wreck for a time, but then they they added guys that filled in all their holes between Russell, Vanderbilt, and Hachimura against the Warriors, who, despite being the defending champions, they never quite figured themselves out during the season. I mean, they were excellent at home and awful on the road, but the problem is you need to develop some consistency, and I don't think the Warriors ever really did that. And so, like, here, here we are watching them kind of, kind of fall apart. I mean, it is surprising seeing a Stephen Curry-led team do that, but I think, like, we can't take history into account. We have to take in, like, how they did in the regular season. I, I do think this, this past regular season for the Warriors kind of revealed more about them as they headed into the playoffs. Steve Kerr has been changing the starting five in the rotation, partly because you know Looney had some uh, you know illness issues early in this series. If Looney's a hundred percent tonight, what would be the best starting five for the Warriors in game game six, game five? Uh, I mean that that is a good question, just because I'm not because with all the lineup changes they made, I'm not sure if there's anything really that the Warriors can do. I mean they had a golden opportunity in game four and they kind of blew it and. Kind of uncharacteristically, like I, I haven't seen those, those kind of mental mistakes from you know Stephen Stephen Curry before. Like I would say, just if you know push push came to shove, I think obviously you'd start Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, and Green. Um, I think there was a little bit of success with Jermichael Green, but I at this at this point the Warriors are kind of like. They're kind of scrambling for whatever they can. They're scrambling for whatever starting lineup works. Like, I would say try Looney, and if it's and if it's clear that he's he's not a factor, and as shamelessly uh, kind of hasn't been a factor, like I think they will have to move towards their floor spacers. It kind of goes to show how much they miss guys like Otto Porter and Yamania Bielitsa from last year. Yeah, in fact, that's my next thing. How much of this series is the Lakers maybe just have too much length and too much size against the Warriors? They also just—I think they also just have too much scoring. Like, you know, going into these playoffs, people criticized D'Angelo Russell. They said, you know, you know, his low percentages, his low percentages as a uh, shooter have hurt him, but he's kind of come alive a bit. And I think it's just—he's almost like Diet Kyrie Irving, where you know, if you put him <laughs> next to Le- to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that just takes off so much pressure and allows him to roam free as a scorer. Now, obviously, he's, you know, he's not exactly, you know, a star a star player, but he is a guy where, like, I, I feel like he is a player among the multiple players the Lakers have where just put him next to LeBron James and just, that just takes, uh, put him next to LeBron James and AD and, you know, that's just so much less pressure, so much, so much more space to roam. And I think, I just think that that just helps them so much. They have so much more scoring. And so much, so much more versatility, and I think having that in the in the playoffs is extremely important, and that's why they're up three one right now. Talking with Matt John with Basketball News and Heavy dot com. So, is this series in tonight? Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Like, it's it's hard not to think. So, the Lakers have been pretty good at home, and I think I think what's been most impressive about them is that LeBron James, you know. Everyone knows about LeBron James and his yearly dominance. He actually hasn't 
actually hasn't been the same LeBron James that we've seen for obvious reasons. He's in his late 30s, but at the same, and it hasn't mattered. The Lakers' depth has just been too much to overcome. Like, and usually when you lose, like in watching the playoffs, in my experience, usually when you lose in the fashion that the Warriors did, it's a pretty backbreaking. It's a it's a backbreaking loss for them. So, it I believe, yeah, this this does end. All right, the Sixers dominated last night at Boston. How surprised were you, and what has impressed you the most about the Sixers in these last two wins? Oh boy, where where do I start about the Sixers? Like I'm <laughs> like watching that game last night. What what confounded me the most, and this is coming from someone who's watched the Celtics extensively this season. Like I've never seen them like that rattled in a game before. The only two players who really showed up last night were Tatum and Brown, and that's what you expect from your star players. Um, but the really big difference between the two was that the Sixers' complimentary guys showed up in that game, and the Celtics' complimentary guys were nowhere to be seen. Like It is a shame because you know, Derek White and Al Horford, they're two of the Celtics' most you know, important role players, and just last night they, they looked scared. They played scared out there. And when you look at the Sixers' guys, like Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, like, they haven't been great as a whole in this series, but last night during, you know, what was the most pivotal game of the series, they both stepped up, and that's what you need from your complimentary guys, much like the Lakers. Like, Harris was getting in there, getting offensive rebounds, and was exploiting mismatches, and Tyrese Maxey was was getting past every single Celtics defender. And so, when you like, it's amazing how this series was two James Harden clutch threes from being a sweep, and now, and now the Celtics are one game away from elimination, and that's that's what happens when you can't seal the deal on your opponent. I think it's accurate to say, in some shape or form, that Joe Mazzulla has not had a great postseason here. How much of the uh, Boston underachieving, really, in the postseason, if you think about the Atlanta series, how much of that is because of Mazzulla to this point? Um, I think it would be unfair to say he deserves, you know, the lion's share of the blame. Like you know, you know, as because because people, people usually go to coaching. I do. I you know, he's obviously hasn't been he hasn't been spotless. Like not taking a timeout at the end of game four when he had the chance. Like I think that, that unfortunately reared its ugly head when they when they lost. I think part of it is just you know, I don't think anyone was anticipating that you know Derek White and Al Horford were gonna were going to miss shots that they regularly made during the regular season. Um, I think I think the Hawks series may have may have more or less exposed some of the holes in the Celtics roster because you know they were Celtics were kind of lucky they pulled away in Game Six because the Hawks were giving it to them and they may have exposed their red flags. Like I think some of I think I do think Missoula deserves some of the blame, but I also think some of the roster construction has been exposed as flawed. But at the same time, it's not his fault that you know some of the Celtics complimentary players like Horford and White. They are not. They are not making the shots that their opponents are giving them. Like Philly has basically said, we're going to let Al Horford beat us from three, and you think that's ridiculous because Horford was one of the best three-point shooters in the league this season, but it's worked, and the Celtics have been terrified of Embiid down low. So, I, so I do think there is. I think the blame is uh, is team round, and Missoula definitely deserves some of it, just not, just not all of it. 
Going back to the Atlanta series, in this series, why have they been so bad on defense? It's not like they were the greatest defensive team on earth before the playoffs started, but this has been a sharp decline. Uh, like when you watch last year, it's pretty, it's pretty astounding how much they they've kind of declined. I think, I think part of it was last year they just got a fully rested Horford, and he was you know excellent last year, given given that he was he played. He was playing that well at 35, and much like LeBron James' decline, you can't you know fault the guy for aging when he's in, when he's in his 30s, but that's what happens. Um, I I think Horford's decline, I also think Time Lord kind of struggling with injuries all year has kind of hurt their ability to develop some continuity, and I think that's made the Celtics a little a little slower on the defensive end. Um, funny, funny enough, like Jason Tatum has been, you know, Jason Tatum is actually, I think, an underrated defender, and he's actually been excellent. But, um, but uh, I mean, he, his effort kind of waned game to game in the regular season. Uh, but you you mm-hmm. think that the Celtics would have that extra gear, and they just haven't done that. Um, and it's it's hard not to notice that when last year they were so phenomenal on that end. Like, but I just think Horford's decline. Um, I think Brogdon hasn't exactly been as good defensively as the Celtics hoped, but. Maybe, but who knows? I, who knows on that front? But I, I think it's just not as unified as it was. They didn't play as okay. a unit. They, they're not playing. Sorry, they're not playing as a unit defensively as much. No, my bad. Uh, so does Philly in this and six? Hey, like it's like I would like to say no. Um, like the Celtics have proven that they're road warriors. They've won three games on the road in these playoffs. Yeah, for some reason they have a phobia about winning at home. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but they you know they beat Philly in Game Three and were you know a br- two brain farts from winning Game Four and but the, but the Sixers like last night they just they didn't just look like they just outclassed them in Game Five. And so I don't I don't know if it just looked like the Celtics were playing awesome during that game. So. If that's the, if that's the Celtics team that's going to show up in Game Six, then yeah, this this series is over. But at the, but you know the previous four games, the Celtics have matched up well with the Sixers. I do think I think the one change the Celtics have to make is is uh, reinserting Robert Williams into the lineup for Derek White because White has been largely ineffective in the series. Miami, one win away from advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in four seasons. Jimmy Butler has obviously been great, but how much of this is Eric Spolster? Oh man, like I think I think Eric Spolster is a phenomenal coach. I I can't I can't even begin to talk about you know how much I you know I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of the word with Eric Spolster, like how how amazing he's been because you know everyone was saying you know before. You know, before Butler came around, that Spolster only won because of LeBron, and I think he's he's beaten those allegations. Um, I think you get a guy with like, I think obviously you need some talent. You obviously need a star, but I also think you need playoff DNA and a playoff culture. And you know, you know, you know, depending on who you talk to, people can think that's stupid that people talk about the Heat culture and whatnot. But I think Spolster's established that with just. With you know, with enough talent, and Miami's talent is, isn't exactly great. It's just what they lack in talent. They have in playoff DNA, and I think Eric Spolstra is largely responsible for a lot of that. I mean, Jimmy Butler is is phenomenal, and he clearly is 
like never shies from the moment. But I think, I think when you have a team full of guys that you know have been there before, despite their lack of talent, that actually can take you a long way in these playoffs, and they've need to prove just that. Do the Knicks at least uh, protect home court and win tonight? Uh, like, <laughs> um, I. I don't believe they do. I'll, I'll say this about the Knicks. I, you know, even if even if it does end tonight, you know, they've they, they've started something. Like this is at least the start of a new era for them. I think when it comes down to it, it's just an experience. Like they were, you know, kind of fun. They were a very fun team to watch, especially after they got Josh Hart. They kind of figured themselves out. Tom Thibodeau is also a really good coach. Like and and uh, they have the assets to get better. I just think for now, I think the Heat are kind of, they're just giving them the uh, tough tough lessons about the playoffs now that they've started something new. I mean, they were they were given a lot of crap about Brunson, but he's proven them wrong. R.J. Barrett, I mean, well, I, I, I can't tell you whether or not I think he's a star, but I do think he is. he does have talent. Like, I do think that, I guess the point being is that I think the next season ends tonight, but I don't think there's any reason for them to be discouraged because of that. Matt, great stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks much. Have fun. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys reaching out. No problem. Our pleasure. Matt Johns from uh, Basketball News. Matt John, 